Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Ho, 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 even Christmas magic can't save this show from being crap. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And on this week's episode, we have a Ask the Blender with Jeremy Reeves. And then my guest for the holiday is uh, Chuck Stanion, and we're going to talk about... Uh, well, we'll get caught up with Chuck and talk about some of the uh, some of uh, Christmas pipe-smoking and some of Christmas's more famous pipe-smokers. Uh, music for the holiday season, quick little mailbag, and uh, rave time. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, a couple of important things. One, if you were an exhibitor at the Las Vegas International Pipe Show, ignore that email that you're getting from conventioneers.us. It's a scam company that is going through our uh, list of exhibitors and uh, emailing you guys and trying to get your credit card and your money so just ignore that you will be getting an email from me and a uh, message from me shortly on uh, hotel rooms for the 2024 show and then we'll put that up on the website too so keep an eye out for that but uh, ignore that conventioneers.us people they're just scammers and it's the holidays so that means scammers are out in full force um, also, if you listen on uh, Spotify or, uh, well, if you listen on Spotify to the show, you may be missing some episodes because Spotify doesn't like some of the music that we're playing. So if you're if you're listening on Spotify, well, you can go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or you can go directly onto PipesMagazine.com and pick up the show there. Uh, also, I guess uh, Google Podcast is going away and it's merging onto YouTube and I'm not sure what they're going to do with the audio only shows, but we are audio only and will always be audio only. And uh, that's just the way we're going to be. So uh, if you're listening on Google Podcast, you may have to switch over to another service for that. But there's only about 14 or 1500 other places to listen to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, and just remember, keep current, uh, keep up to date with the current shows while you catch up on the back ones. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. Ah, the holidays and pipe collecting, a grand tradition indeed. And there's no better place to celebrate a grand tradition than at TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Find that perfect gift for yourself or that special pipe collector on your list, or sell those tobaccos, pipes and accessories to make room for those new Christmas arrivals. Your favourite things await you at TinBids.com, the pipe collector's auction site. Cheers and happy holidays from your friends at TinBids.com. A Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe is the perfect pal. Going fishing, take your corncob pipe and see you back at dark 30. Hunting, your corncob pipe swears it won't make a pop. Relaxing and reflecting, you add your corncob pipe at relax. Party time, your corncob pipe doesn't produce a cool smoke for no reason. Let's just say your Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe gets you. Visit www.corncobpipe.com to get yours today. Missouri Meerschaum Company, authentically original, authentically you. 
We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us for Pipe Parts is the head blender of Cornell and Deal, Jeremy Reeves. Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm surprised it's a pleasure because you never get to review these questions before I say them to you and we record it. So <laughs> um, That is true. It's always a surprise. So this one may be the last time you're ever on the show. Um, <laughs> I may have, I may get, I may get to record you quitting doing the pipes magazine radio show, but, um, here we go. Are you ready? I believe so. So Kevin Foster writes, uh, I have a hopefully short question for you and or Jeremy. I've noticed that when some of the special limited edition blends come out, they make a point to say that the blend includes genuine, in quotes, St. James Parish Perique. This makes me wonder if less expensive blends might include non-genuine or Perique processed tobacco that is made in other places uh, than passing that off as Perique. To your knowledge, is that a practice that happens? What kind of protections do the actual Perique farmers have in place for their product? I know in the wine world, there have been countless disputes over product origin and uh, AOC issues. I wonder if the tobacco world has any similar history. Thanks, Kevin. There you go. Bomb dropped right in my court. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so the reason that we, that we focus uh, attention to the fact that the Perique that we're using in, and it's not just in our limited editions, all of the Perique that we use, every every bit of Perique that shows up in a Cornell and Deal product um, has since uh, January of 22, actually just a little bit before then, mm -hmm. come from one farm that we are directly partnered with in St. James Parish, Louisiana. That is 31 farms. Um, so when we say we are using genuine St. James Parish Perique, we mean that all of the Perique that we are using in all of our blends um, has been from seed to finished barrel done in, in St. James Parish, Louisiana. All the tobacco was grown in St. James Parish, Louisiana from Perique seed. Uh, that is not necessarily true of other Perique manufacturers where there is a blend of, of tobaccos that is being used to ferment like Perique. Um, so the reason that we clarify is because our source grows all of the tobacco that they then turn into Perique. So what Jeremy's politely saying between the lines and I won't be so polite because I love me Perique and I know when it's, um, I won't use genuine, but I'll use real Perique. Uh, some Perique processors will buy a version of a burly leaf that was not grown in the St. James parish and is a much less expensive leaf to buy and grow than the, uh, than the leaf in St. James Parish, and they may water down the actual St. James Parish leaf, 
correct? Yes. So yeah. the the this is this is not a new a new manufacturing practice. No. It goes back it go it goes back many decades. Yeah. Um, and and even you know even back to the early 1900s, uh, there were some leaf types that were imported either from Kentucky or from Can from Canada or from Tennessee, because that area of St. James Parish is so uh, prone to storms, prone to flooding, um, and it's always been a really labor-intensive crop uh, that was really, you know, its, ex its existence has always been a little tenuous. And so the practice of blending imported leaf to the area as well as using leaf that was grown in that area um, was kind of a, a way to make sure that they didn't have a loss of supply when there were losses of crops. Yeah. Um, and, well, and you also have in the St. James Parish, you've got X amount of room to grow. And mm -hmm. as demand for Perique picked up, especially in the, in the late 60s, 1970s, 1980s, when all of a sudden you have three nuns and a Scudo using a lot of Perique and you get, you get this growth in it. Well, you know what? You can't make the parish any bigger. It's that one bend in the river that's magical. And that's, that's it. That's right. So, so yeah. you got to start adding it. Uh, the problem occurs when some people add too much. Of the import leaf. Yeah. And, and then yeah. you... So now the stuff you're using being grown directly there, that's 100% pure St. James. That's also got to be more expensive for you because it's going through that whole, that growing process. And then that whole year of pressings and turnings and all right there by the river the whole time. And they didn't go up the road and buy, you know, 20% or 30% of some, uh, of some green river or some sort of burley and mix it in. That's correct. That's correct. So our, our farm starts all of their plants in, uh, seed beds on the same location as then it gets planted on the same location as then it gets moved into the barn on the same location as it then comes down from the barn and is processed in barrels. Uh, so it's the same small group of people doing every step from beginning to end. Now, does that also mean that now that you're, if you're blending with, with straight St. James, that means that you've got to modify the blends that may have been existing 20 or 30 years ago, because the straight St. James is a little more intense than the, than the previous blended stuff, right? It is a, it is a, a major a major change in the character of the preek that we're using, um, but in in my view, um, and from the feedback that that we've gotten, I think that the change is for the for the better. It's a it's a positive change. Um, it gives us a lot more uh, visibility on our own supply chain, um, which is a huge help. Um, and like I said, you know, for the farmer. For the farmer that is planting the crop to also be harvesting and hanging in the barn and then, you know, monitoring, uh, you 
you know, oh, this tobacco that came from the back corner of, of this field or whatever, this is the tobacco that we're now putting into the barrel. They're able to take variables that uh, were from what happened while the tobacco was growing and take those things into account. Oh, we need to keep an eye on these six or seven barrels because the tobacco in them was in an area where we had to mitigate a bunch of flooding or something like this, you know, okay. things that we had to do that we need to make sure that this is kind of, you know, specially kept up on. Uh, it might require more turning, uh, for example, or, or uh, you know, it might need to uh, have moisture added uh, deeper into the barrel aging process than, than you normally would. Um, so, so when they do that, do you know, are they use, are, are they, is each barrel kind of a section of the, of the field or are they, maybe if they, if they had a spot that wasn't the best, maybe they'd mix that into the spots that were the best. So if we've got a, a section of a field that is not doing great, mm-hmm. we're more likely to sort of quarantine that off on its own okay, and see how it's doing. And then if it can be, blended through the rest of the rest of the the stock that will happen towards the end of the process but we don't want to have happen is tobacco that is uh suspect tainting your whole supply it's better to keep it off on its own and monitor it it's easier to throw away one barrel than it is to try and figure out which barrels all this tobacco is in yeah, or sell it off to a cigarette company that's not too concerned about that anyway. Oh, did I say that? Hey, hey, at least I didn't say anything else, right? Uh, right. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin, I hope that answers the question. I know uh, Parik has been, uh, supply has been a problem of the last couple of years of, you know, quality pipe tobacco related Parik, and there is. Yeah, there is a different standard for what goes in a uh, in a pipe tobacco blend than what might be used in some other uh, in some cigarettes and or cigars. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, thank you for your honesty in answering that question, and uh, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks so much. And we'll be back in just a minute. This is Internet Radio. Since its beginnings in 1876, Savinelli has become more than just a pipe factory. It's become a lifestyle. From sourcing the finest Mediterranean briar and partnering with local artisans to acquire unique accents, to expanding their catalog each year with new innovative series, Savinelli produces high quality Italian pipes that serve as a reflection of your individual tastes. With a portfolio that ranges from rugged designs fit for the outdoors to elegant pieces destined for black tie galas, Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining me is one of, you know, I'm just going to say it right here. One of my favorite people in the pipe smoking hobby world, whatever. I don't. I don't consider you on the industry side of it, even though you work and get paid for pipe stuff. But uh, a doctor of uh, well, doctor of pipes, doctor of some fancy English stuff like American literature or something like that. Chuck Stanion, welcome back to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. 
Thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah. Nice to be here again. It's been a while. It's been a while. It did take you some time to recover from the last time. Yeah, it was traumatic, but I survived. I, I got over it. And yeah. You you owe, you owe me about $15,000 in therapy sessions, but other than that, we're good. Well, it's a really good thing you've got uh, employee health care through smokingpipes.com uh, because that's where you do all the writing. You do all your writing there now, so we get to read your stuff uh, every week or two or a couple weeks. I don't know. You guys do some sort of fancy rotational thing on that. But, uh, yeah, so I just thought it would be fun because uh, I I know in your, uh, in your previous job at the uh, now defunct uh, Pipes and Tobaccos magazine and then through other writings that you've done, uh, this is the... Uh, this is the last show before Christmas of this year. And I thought, you know what? Let's have Chuck come on and talk about uh, Jolly Old St. Nicholas, one of the one of the world's most famous pipe smokers and uh, pipe smoking around the holiday and pipe smoking in. Uh, yeah, I, I guess between uh, between Santa Claus and Frosty, the snowman, those are the two big guys, right? Yeah, yeah, those are the big ones. Yeah. Uh and it's it's funny. I mean, do you feel this way too? I mean, pipe smoking seems to go with the Christmas season better than any other season. I think of with Christmas, obviously, because there's stockings hung by a chimney, so there's a fireplace, and then all the great stories of, you know, especially the night, uh, you know, the night before Christmas, and you know, the, and Santa's got a stub of a pipe in his mouth, and Frosty and his corncob pipe. Um, uh, you know, I'd even throw in there Bing Crosby because, a lot, you know, White Christmas and him with a pipe in his mouth and all the yeah. pipe, all the pipe smoking and it's a wonderful life. Um, yeah, it, it seems like the perfect time of the year for a pipe. It also helps that in most cases, in most parts of the Northern hemisphere now it's cold. So holding a warm pipe in your hand is a nice thing. Uh, as opposed to those of us that live in the Southeast United States where during the summertime, holding a warm pipe in your hand is not so much a nice thing. That's true. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess that's, you know, it's, it's the pipe smoking time of the year, really. What about Christmas day itself? Do you have a ritual for, uh, around your pipe smoking for Christmas morning? I, you know, as, as the kids got older and older, um, I was able to get, I was able to develop more and more of a ritual. Um, and one of the rituals that I have for either Christmas Eve or Christmas night, you know, the wife and I will, and now that our kids are old and they, you know, they, they, they know the secret about all those gifts showing up and they're, you know, now they're buying gifts and stuff. Um, I've got a couple of special pipes that I like to smoke on Christmas Eve when we're sitting down or Christmas morning, if we're watching one of the parades or something, you know, yeah, I've got, I've got a couple of special pipes that I like to pull out for days like that. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but that's about it. And I'd show you one of the pipes cause we're doing this on zoom right now, but you'd be mad that I have one of the McClellan 25th anniversary Meershams and yeah, you know, I would be mad. Don't show me that pipe. I won't show that pipe to you. Um, but do you have a, uh, do you have a specific Christmas pipe smoking ritual? 
Well, I make it a big deal. I, I always load a couple of pipes the night before Christmas. And uh, I don't have particular pipes that I set aside for Christmas, but whatever's appealing to me at the time, I load up and pre-light a couple of them. But then I always use, I have a Sterling Silver Sillum's old boy style lighter mm-hmm. that uh, was a gift many years ago. And I use it only on Christmas Day because <laughs> I want it to last forever. Now, you also have a very large tamper collection. Do you have a Santa Claus tamper that might be, that you use specifically for Christmas? I, I tend to go with a Larry Roush Sterling Silver tamper on Christmas. And, and of course, the Sterling yeah. Silver and the higher the value of the tamper, the better the tobacco taste, right? Yes, it improves the tobacco. <laughs> and, the, of course, <laughs> we can thank Fred Hanna for that. Yes, thank you, Fred Hanna. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you do you smoke more or less on Christmas Day? Uh, you and I smoke all day long wherever we are, and in fact, if we're out of the house doing stuff, we actually smoke less than we do if we're home. So that's correct. That's why it's bad to leave the house. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes you have to go out and deal with people. Um, but do you smoke more or less, or do you? Do you smoke just your regular tobaccos? Will you open up a special tin of something? I I do open a special tin of tobacco, like a, an Aurora, you know, from the mid-90s. I have, a, I have a bunch of those, and I usually break one of them open at Christmas. <clears throat> and then there's McClellan's Christmas cheer. I have some a bunch of tins from, I think my earliest is the year 2000. So I usually have a vintage tobacco and and just do it upright. I don't smoke more or less. I couldn't smoke more than I already do now, and I won't smoke less. <laughs> so that stays pretty standard. What is it? To, to, quote your, to quote your friend Mark Twain, I have cut down on my smoking to only one at a time now. Yeah, but it's this big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I never... Um... You know, I guess uh, for me personally, my pipe smoking really got developed, you know, 12, 14 years ago. And when the kids were younger and, the, you know, and there was presents to be opened and stuff, you know, there was, that was the important thing was to have that. And then the special pipe or the special moment was later at night. And that's when I'd pull out the special pipe and, you know, and kind of unwind from the day. Um God, I remember those Christmas Eves where it was putting presents together and wrapping stuff until two o'clock in the freaking morning, and then <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, yeah. The next time I meet Santa Claus, I got to tell him he owes me for some uh, for some gift stuff. But um, do you know when? Uh, how far back Santa Santa with a pipe goes? Uh, I don't. I know that the Santa we we recognize today. It's from the, I believe, the 1870s with the Thomas Nast uh, artwork that developed Santa in the red suit and the beard and the pipe and the. Uh, we Santa didn't really look like the modern day Santa before Thomas Nast uh, developed. Uh, it was the 1860s, that's right, because he started that for the Civil War. He started uh, drawing, uh, reproducing Santa in his artwork. 
he uh, he he was a very famous artist that uh, I think he's most well known for the Saturday Evening Post covers that okay. he he painted. But that's where the modern Santa came from was Thomas Nast. So is he kind of the precursor to Norman Rockwell? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Norman Rockwell sort of did pick up where Nass left off with the, okay. with the thing. So then um, I guess Santa would have been smoking the pipe of the time or, you know, whatever was popular at that point. So it might have been a, uh, you know, might have been a corn cob or might have been something made out of, you know, just a hickory wood or something. And yeah, then, mostly clay. But yeah. Santa before Thomas Nass was, he wasn't fat and jolly. Um and also, there's the Clement Moore poem that did so much to uh, to advance the idea of a modern Santa. Do you remember when that there was some woman who bought the rights to that uh, that Clement Moore poem? What's the name of it? The night before Christmas. Yeah, it was the and night she before excised, Christmas. She excised the pipe from it and published it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not going to get political here, but yeah. Um, you know, the, the tobacco washing of the world. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, listen, I am the, uh, I'm the firm believer that if, if, if the snowman doesn't have a pipe, then it's just a snowman. If it has a pipe, then it's frosty. Frosty, yes. Uh, yeah. So Clement Moore would have been what? 1800s. Yeah. Early 1800s. Uh, and then I don't, I don't even know when the frosty story came around of the corncob pipe and the button nose and two eyes made out of coal. And yeah. it started as a song, I think in the 1930s or forties. Uh, I actually did an article on it. And if you were to look at it, you, you, you know, that stuff. And I don't remember it, <laughs> but, uh, but you expect me to know something that you don't remember and you wrote it. Yeah. I'm just letting folks know where they can find out. Because certainly I'm not a good source. (laughs) All right, we're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll have more with Chuck. And maybe uh, Chuck will point us to some of those writings. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the Cellar Series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenay's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, with Double Doctor Chuck Stanion, who went and got his PhD. And is your PhD actually in American literature, and or, or in English, or in something something? It's in something useless. Officially, it's it's a 
It's a doctorate in English with a concentration in satire. And satire in Mark Twain. Yeah. Yeah, who created the American satire genre, um, pretty much. Um, all right, so the Frosty article that we were talking about, that was written for the SmokingPipes.com daily reader. So if you go on to SmokingPipes.com and uh, click that big button up on the top that says uh, daily reader, there's a lot of really good stuff there. And then there's also the stuff that Chuck wrote. <laughs> um, that's daily sarcasm. Um, but yeah, so you can go on there and you can just search back through it. In fact, they've done a really good job of doing tags and everything. Um, are, but you know, so again, now we're, we're looking at pipe smoking in, with Santa Claus and with Frosty, the snowman. I mean, that, that kind of follows the, the rise of pipe smoking through the 1880s, 1890s into popularity and the, the briar pipe comes in. Luckily, Santa never switched over to cigarettes after World War II, did he? <laughs> no, I don't think he did. Uh, I mean, there were, there were cigarette advertising, advertisements with Santa Claus, but... Uh, yeah, so Santa kind of follows the arc of the rise of popularity of pipe smoking and briar pipes, and then is now getting um, whitewashed away into the... <laughs> into the ethereal of anti-smoking. You know, every year for Christmas, my wife likes to buy me an ornament for the Christmas tree. And she's always looking for Santa or Frosty or somebody with a pipe. And it's getting harder and harder for her to find those ornaments. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my wife would always point out uh, Frosty, the snowman stuff to me where he had the pipe. Uh, in fact, behind me on my desk is a, uh, that's a Build-A-Bear that I built myself of Frosty the Snowman. It came with an accessory corn cob. And those of you that follow me on Facebook or in, on Instagram, you'll see Frosty show up on there. And he, he makes his annual return. Uh, pipe smoking in some of these Christmas movies also, I mean, you're you're just a little bit older than I am. I, I, I tease you, and, you know, I tease you kindly. Uh, but you're just a decade older than I am. Do you remember some of those movies growing up as a kid and seeing the pipe smoking in them during the, especially during the, some of those great old Christmas movies? Yeah. Yeah. Like, of course, everybody's favorite is a Christmas story from the <laughs> Gene Shepard writings. That wasn't out when I was a little kid that came out yeah. later. Uh, so I didn't grow up with that particular film, but it, it certainly became a staple of all my Christmases when it did come out. But yeah, I loved it. You know, it's funny. The big movie that I remember attached to Christmas was... Um, the Wizard of Oz? Yes, The Wizard of Oz. But that was attached to Christmas. That only played on the TV at Christmas time. And huh. uh, I would look forward to that film every year. Although the apple trees scared the bejeebers out of me. <laughs> And flying monkeys. Chuck is still having nightmares over flying monkeys. Um, <laughs> uh, did you, when uh, so, we talked briefly about Christmas cheer and some of the older McClellan stuff, but there was also, I mean, there's been a tradition of tobacco companies doing Christmas blends for, God, as long as I can remember, there was always a kind of a Christmas release of 
some special edition of this or that. Uh, do you remember, uh, I think it was Peterson was one of the first ones to do Christmas blends that I remember. You know, I never really pursued the Christmas blends. I, I don't have a good recollection of those. Of course, what I remember primarily is McClellan's Christmas cheer. Yeah. Well, you became one of those elitist Virginia snobs right away. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. What do you, so what is your official job for, for smoking pipes now? I'm a, a senior writer, editor. Uh, basically everything that, that comes out of smoking pipes out of Laudisi enterprises uh, pretty much has to go through me before it can be published. And, and we publish a lot of stuff, multiple newsletters, sometimes more than one a day, several a week, um, various social media straps and such. Everything that goes out for LDG has to be LDG is loud, easy distribution group. Oh, you're, yeah, you're very fancy using all those little letters. So, um, so there's a lot of editing and that's why you don't see me with an article every week is because editing takes up most of my time. So you're editing the other guys. Does somebody get to edit the stuff that you write? Oh yes. We have an editing team. <laughs> um, Kayla and Philip are, uh, uh, my my co-editors at Smoking Pipes, and they're just so excellent, both of them. And they, we do have to work as a, as a team. It's not just me editing this stuff. Yeah. I, I have to look at it all. But uh, but the whole the whole editing team checks everything. And they catch stuff that I miss. Phil will catch stuff that Kayla and I miss. Kayla will catch stuff that Phil and I miss. It's just multiple eyes always works. Mm -hmm. Andy Wyke is really a super good editor too, but he's a little busy for editing these days. Does this include the descriptions that are on the pipes as well that you guys are looking over? No, the pipe descriptions. No, that's uh, that's in the merchandising department. I'm in the marketing department. Uh, they QC their own uh, pipe descriptions. Okay. And if if I see something weird, that's you know pretty pretty whacked as far as our own house style i'll mention it to them and, and make sure it gets changed but i don't edit the pipe descriptions now you sit there and wait for the update to come out and then you start pouring over the pipes that you want to get or maybe wait for them to go two weeks for your uh, for your discount and then you find little boo-boos occasionally i would never admit to that brian never never because i never did that either when I was there, <laughs> um, what are some of the fun articles that you, that, that you guys are proud of, whether you wrote them or not that have come out in the past couple of years or. Well, it's not just articles. We also have videos that are, that are pretty good. Um, but you mentioned the frosty article for, for example, that was a pretty fun article. Cause I went through a lot of the history of not only the uh, Rankin Bass Frosty the Snowman productions, but I talked about uh, uh, abominable snowmen and the history of the abominable snowmen, <laughs> and I also made a pretty compelling argument that Frosty is evil. Mm, that's probably why I blacked that out. <laughs> so it was all in good fun, though. Yeah. 
so this is actually, I mean, it, what, it's been six, seven years since you moved over there and, and now yeah. you're, yeah, with, with pipe, uh, you know, with pipes and tobaccos magazine, you always did a little editor's comment and that was always kind of the highlight for me. And it was you, it was you being you. Um, but now you get, you've got a lot of free reign now because some of your stuff is fictitious. Some of it's educational, informational, some of it's, uh, interview style. So you, you get to play in all different kinds of styles and not so much worry about having to write it all either. Cause you've got a team of really good writers that you get to edit them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. We do a lot of like uh, historical pipe smoker profiles, like Albert Einstein and, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien. There's a bunch of good articles uh, about famous people who have smoked pipes in the back in the past. And uh, a lot of physicists seem to smoke pipes. <laughs> Hubble, yeah. you know, you, you, Einstein. You, you, he did one last week, uh, last month, on a guy named Oppenheimer, who seems to be somewhat popular recently. That's right. That's right. So that's always a drag because to write the Einstein article, I had to figure out what relativity was because you can't explain it if you don't understand it. And then Oppenheimer, quantum physics. I just can't wrap my mind around quantum theory, you know. <laughs> And and then just by doing a simple little search of famous pipe smokers, I found an article that you did in December of 2022, the history of Santa Claus, the pipe smoker. So we're, we're not going to go through it detail by detail there, but you can go back and read that one. Um, yeah, it's, I, I mean, I, I've, I am really happy and I always look forward to seeing what you guys are, what you guys are writing about and who you're writing about and, the stuff that's coming out of there is just so much fun and so diverse as well. So that must be a little difficult for you to shift styles and you know, brain shift Actually, from interviewing a pipe maker to talking about somebody who died a hundred years ago. It is different, but it's not as hard as you might think. Um, of course I prefer when I can, when I can be more myself and and not be an invisible narrator. Uh, my some of my favorite things are the Christmas stories, fiction Christmas stories that I've written the past few years, and people seem to like. And, and I'm writing another one this Christmas and have no idea what I'm going to write about yet. So I'm a little panicked about that. It's hard to come up with just an original Christmas story. Yeah, how do you do that? I mean, there's been so many different there, there's. Christmas has been written about so much. And listen, I think, you know, growing up, we celebrated both Christmas and Hanukkah. And for me, Hanukkah kind of was, uh, let's just say it, it sucked in comparison to Christmas. It just sucked. Um, there was two songs and that was it. And then you had Christmas that had a hundred different songs that you could sing and all these movies about it and TV shows about it and all these stories told how do you do that? How do you come up with a new story about Christmas? I don't know. I wish I knew. It just seems to happen. <laughs> you do what you got to do. But I'm pretty proud of them. By the way, you mentioned my uh, my editor's memos from P&T Magazine. Yeah. This is a digression, but 
Sutliff now owns all the assets for of P&T. Oh. They have tobacco reviews, and, and they own all the magazine assets. They're, I don't think they're ever going to do anything with it. But uh, Jeremy at Sutliff gave me permission to reproduce, reprint my editor's memos. So I'm going to... I'm working on putting them together in a book form. Oh, cool. So that's like 18, 19 years of them. Yeah. 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 Dayton wrote the, uh, the editor's desk pieces, uh, the first year and a half or so. And then I took over. And then when I left, of course, Cliff Nelson, who did a fantastic job with PNT after I left, um, he continued with that. But anyway, if anyone remembers those editor's desks, those editorials at the beginning of P&T Magazine, they're going to be uh, revised and put together in book form here when I can get to it. Please tell me you're not going to go back and edit them all and want to touch them up and change them. Leave them alone the way they were. They were fine. They were great. Okay. There's some, some have to be massaged. I'm sorry. Let, let's let's look at it this way. Let's modernize it and say that you can't massage things anymore because that's not proper in the workplace. So just leave them alone. <laughs> put them together. Put some put some imagery with them and publish the thing. That's how. Uh, I've known you for twenty three, twenty four years now, and I know that you're never happy with anything, and that you always want to keep tinkering with it all the way up to the deadline. So don't tinker with it. Just put it out. They were great. That's excellent advice. Or here's what's going to happen. Are you ready? I'm going to threaten you right here on the, on the pipes magazine radio show before Christmas. I have a complete set of P and T magazine. I have every issue sitting on a bookshelf over that way. If you change them and I find out that you've changed them or massaged them. Well, guess what I'll do. I'll read the originals on the show and then we'll have a vote. Do a side-by-side -side comparison and see which is superior. Yeah. That's low, Brian. Even I, for you. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. But it's, <laughs> listen, it's, listen, it's easy content for the show. Cause I've got them right here and I can just read them. Oh. And I can read them in the style of Chuck Stanion. <laughs> um, just going back to the uh, going back to the the smokingpipes.com daily reader stuff is there a topic that you haven't been able to to tackle or go after that you've wanted to Vulcanite I've tried like hell to uh, get a hold of the major manufacturers of Vulcanite and I've written to them and I'm unable to get responses because I wanted to talk about the differences between modern Vulcanite and the older Vulcanite like the the old Sheraton Vulcanite that we all know about, you know, and, and the modern Vulcanite has so much less sulfur in it. And I wanted to do an interview with someone who manufactures Vulcanite to talk about how the, how they're, how, how the new formulations are keeping oxidation down and such. So that's the thing I've chased and been, been unable to get. If anyone has any contacts, I would appreciate it. So old Vulcanite. Wow. Yeah. All right. Chuck, uh, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. 
What is your favorite pipe? Michael Parks Lavat. That's still the same. Okay, here comes the here comes the beacon. What is your favorite tobacco? That would be you know, I'm smoking less Beacon these days because I only have three cases left. <laughs> I've been smoking uh, 5,100 with 5% Perique added this year, primarily. Old McClellan stuff. You know, you were, the, uh, you were part of the inspiration for why I ended up with such a nutso amount of my Acadian ribbon, so thank you very much. I'm glad I could help. Yeah, and every time every time my wife looks at me and says, you still have all that, I remind her that Chuck Stanion made me do it, and she curses your name like many wives do. I, I think I know when she does it. I get a pang in the back of my neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, does your wife still think each pipe is $20? Well, we don't talk about it. Okay. <laughs> um, what is your favorite drink? Right now, green tea. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, so before we started recording, you said you've gotten into green tea lately. Yeah, yeah, I gave up Diet Pepsi because it's poisonous. But <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was my daily drink for years. Yeah, so have you tried different kinds of teas and settled on a on a brand that you like or a style? Or Oh, I ran across one brand that I like, but I couldn't tell you what it is now because I just buy it by the case and... Put the tea bags in tins and rotate them through. <laughs> Click buy it now. Okay. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? It's a toss-up between music and a movie. Sometimes you're in the mood for one, sometimes in the mood for another. Sometimes only music will do it for me. Yeah. And there's some great, such great music. that I, It's strange. As I've aged, I seem to be more emotionally attached to music. It can it can generate a more emotional response from me than when I was younger. So I really enjoy music. Yeah. And speaking of read, speaking of music, you guys did a great piece on, uh, on Albert King recently. You didn't write it, but I'm sure you had the chance to edit it. And of course, listen to some of his music and man, could he play guitar and smoke at the same time? I'm telling you. Uh, I heard a famous story about him where he was told that he couldn't, that there was some place that he wasn't, uh, they didn't want him to smoke in the in the theater or something, and he said, "All right, I won't play." And they said, "Okay, we'll let you smoke." There you go. Yeah, it's like Mark Twain. If there's no smoking in heaven, I won't go. Yeah, I'm not going. I'm not going until I finish all my tobacco. So, um, finally, a uh, favorite pipe smoking related memory, maybe of the last four, five, six years since you've uh, since you've moved to. Uh, pipe touching and seeing heaven that is called the Laudisi group? Well, this gets a little sad. You know, Dayton passed away early this year. Yeah. In February of this year, I believe. And I went up to his memorial service and the family presented me with a pipe that they said Dayton had instructed them to give me after he passed. Oh. Uh, you may remember this pipe. It's it's the, uh, the horn that was carved at Tom Eltang's shop for his anniversary, had uh, 24 different Scandinavian pipe makers work on it. They all stamped the wand. Um, Bonard, Lars Everson, all the big names. So I have that pipe here and it's obviously the most valuable pipe I own. And 
has the most sentimental value because Dayton thought of me and yeah. he knew I loved that pipe or was, it's not a pipe I would smoke. It's not a shape I would smoke, but it means a great deal to me. And, uh, yeah, I almost tear up every time I think of it. Yeah. And you're never going to smoke it and it's never been smoked either. And we might, no, I'm, I'm never going to smoke it. And we might clarify that Dayton is Dayton Matlick, who is a publisher yeah. of P&T Magazine, the man who hired me. The the founder of P&T Magazine. Well, one of the co-founders and the publisher and uh, and was a, I, I, let, let, let's all say it. We can say it publicly. Uh, the reason there was P&T Magazine was because Dayton wanted it, not because it made a lot of money. <laughs> no, that's a fact. It yeah. didn't make money. It was a... It was just something he wanted to do, and he enjoyed going to pipe shows and being the publisher of P&T Magazine. Okay. But Peter Stokeby, if you recall, is the one who talked him into it. Peter Stokeby went to Dayton and said, we need a pipe magazine similar to Cigar Aficionado. <laughs> and when Peter would talk to you, oftentimes things would happen. Uh, what, uh, what, so also, in P&T Magazine had the museum of some incredible pipes, what happened to the other museum pieces? Because we know that horn was in that museum, and, and now you got it. What happened? All of the museum pieces were bought by smoking pipes. All right, so what happened to them? Where are they? All the old pipes, well, they're being... This uh, only happened a month and a half ago. Okay. So they've been slowly moving into the site. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of old uh, P&T pipes of the year, Right. You'll see them on the site, the, the Ardors and the Petersons and the Savinelli's and some of the Jody Davises and Rad Davises and such. Uh, but then the pipes that Dayton collected, the, the high-grade, mainly Danish freehand styles, uh, they were all sold. Uh, smoking pipes bought them, and they, and they will be gradually moved into the estate pipe sales week by week. And did some phenomenal pipes. Didn't Dayton also buy that Twin Towers Costello pipe that Costello made after 9-11? That's the one pipe smoking pipes didn't want to buy. And in fact, it's sitting here in my office. I got to get it back to the family, to Dayton's family. They, it just seemed like they didn't think they could sell it huh. for anything close to what it was probably worth. Wow. Now, if you remember that pipe, were you there when I purchased that pipe at the core show? Yeah, you and yeah, there was, was option. Yeah. I think it was I think we purchased it for six grand. And uh Adam Davidson, who is our estates guy here at Smoking Pipes, he didn't think we could get more than about twenty five hundred for it. So what the family has decided to do is donate it to the nine eleven museum. Oh good. So it'll never be smoked. It would be poor taste to smoke that thing. If you recall, it's got the two towers on it and then a bunch of roiling smoke and fire at, yeah. at the heel. And to see smoke coming out of the top of those towers, I just don't think anyone would enjoy that. Yeah. So there's a pipe smoking memory. So, there it is. So, so with that, we'll leave this with, um, you know, Christmas is uh, five days away at the time this comes out. Uh, 
hopefully you and yours have a merry and happy Christmas and a healthy new year and keep doing all those, uh, keep doing all those great articles that I look forward to. Most of them come out on Sundays, So I get something to read at night on Sunday when, you know, after the wife's gone to sleep, I'll get the notification that something's popped up and I always look forward to them. So thank you for all the work that you guys are doing and keep it up. Thank you. We have a really talented team that I'm proud to be a part of, and I'm very proud of the Daily Reader. Almost, I'm just as proud of the Daily Reader as I was of P&T Magazine, to be honest. I think it's a phenomenal publication. Thanks again, and we'll be back in just a minute. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! For over 150 years, Peterson has welcomed all pipe smokers. It's the preferred choice of the thinking man and the everyman alike, and our workshop too is a place of hospitality and warmth. Hi, I'm Glenn Whelan, and for me, Peterson is a family tradition I've known since my childhood. My dad, Tony Whelan Jr., worked at Peterson for 53 years and has been my home since 2003. From sweeping our factory on a Saturday morning, to managing our store, to now steering our international distribution, I've seen the craftsmanship poured into each Peterson pipe. It lives in Jason's discerning eye as he handcrafts our silver accents and in Wojciech's able hands as he carves our rustications. It abides in Willie's grading and in Warren's papering. Peterson has welcomed us as contributors to its legacy. And it's a welcome we always extend to you. Cade Mielefolge, 100,000 welcomes, wherever you come from, whosoever you be. This is Internet Radio. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right. Uh, Holiday Music Edition 2023. Uh, Both of these are from me. Both from me. And the first one is the Newsboys with uh, Jody Davis playing guitar. And uh, this one's just fun. It's Jingle Bell Rock.
is from the Newsboys Christmas EP that was put out in 2010. Go back here it on Spotify. And the next one is uh, Frosty the Snowman. But this one I found is from an album called Ella and Louie Do Christmas, and it's Ella Fitzgerald. That's Frosty the Snowman. He's a jolly, happy soul. With a corncob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. Frosty the Snowman is a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know how he came to life one day. There must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. For when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. Oh, Frosty, the snowman was alive as he could be. And the children say he could laugh and play just the same as you and me. Run and we'll have some fun now before I melt away. So down to the village with the broomstick in his hand. Running here and there all around the square saying, catch me if you can. He led them down the streets of town right to the traffic cop. And he only paused a moment when he heard him holler, stop. For Frosty the Snowman had to hurry on his way But he waved goodbye saying, don't you cry, I'll be back again someday Thumpity thump thump, thumpity thump thump, look at Frosty go Thumpity thump thump, thumpity thump thump, over the hills of snow And I hear the song Frosty the Snowman, my mind automatically goes to Burl Lives, but uh, that that may be a close, uh, that's a very close second place version for me. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. And remember, you can send your mailbag comments or questions to me at brian at pipesmagazine.com, B-R-I-A-N at pipesmagazine.com, or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page at pipesmagazine.com, just like uh, Dino does every week and dino says uh, going back to last week's show with jeff grasick it was a fun full episode visit with jeff who is always interesting insightful and entertaining i found the discussion of cnc produced pipes quite fascinating uh, riley's wife's song feels like christmas was outstanding uh, nat singing mel's classic enough said Yes, yes, audio tour of your collection. Uh, thanks for a very heartfelt holiday message of sharing our bounty at this time of the year. And thanks for another always entertaining show. And then he does this to me every year, and I goof this up every year, but here it comes in, in uh, Greek. Kala Christiagena. Merry Christmas in Greek, Dino. Thank you, Dino. Hope I didn't do that too bad. I don't know. All right. And then uh, Casey Ghost writes, a very good show. Your review of Sutliff's Kringle, Kringle, Cake, uh, Kringle Flake 2020 was 
quite good. I've generally felt most of these types of tobaccos, limited releases, special tobacco, now for a short time only, were just so much marketing hype to get people to buy their product. Still believe this to be generally true, but it's reassuring to hear that the tobaccos age well. The, inter uh, the interview with Jeff was rather enlightening. I have deep distrust of Chinese mainland business practices, but this is probably due to working in a business that was rather affected by their somewhat unethical business practices. They are very adept at taking certain manufactured goods and making their own versions of the product. Patents are no prevention to keep this from occurring. Hopefully Jeff has found a good partner in the people he's working with. The first music selection was enjoyable. Of course, Nat King Cole was simply a master vocalist. Good advice on the rave you gave. It's always to our own benefit to help those who are not as fortunate as we are. Yeah, I think so. And then uh, Motor John 68 says, Great listen as always. I suspect a future move on my part will be one part rediscovery and ten parts frustration at the amount of stuff I've acquired. Yes. Um, and then he says, quick question. I have Kringle Flake 2022. Should I crack it open or wait? Uh, based off of the 2020, I would say uh, wait another two years. Maybe uh, Christmas of 2025 would be perfect for it. And then uh, final mailbag. And let me just say that, you know, my, my life is not always perfect. And I have days that are down. And then I get emails like this. And it happened on one of those days this past week. And it says, Dear Brian, I would like to get in touch with you again today after a long time. The last time we wrote, you gave me great tips for my trip through the south of the USA, and McCraney's was an absolutely astounding, outstanding end to this vacation. Thanks again for that. I also spent a lot of time with the Pipes Magazine radio show in 2023, and unfortunately now have no old episodes as my Spotify recently showed me. I'm now happily waiting for an episode every week. Your show and you as a person have grown very close to my heart over the last few years, and I'd like to thank you very much. I've learned a lot, laughed a lot, and always listened to you attentively. The Pipes Magazine radio show is an, is an integral, integral part of my commute to work and home and has accompanied me on my travels in Europe, America, Africa, and Australia. Many thanks to you and Kevin for your great work, and be sure that you have a large fan base here in Germany, too. Uh, now a few words about the last episode, uh, the show with the uh, last episodes. The show with Glenn Whelan was great, and I think I should make a trip to Dublin soon and visit Peterson. The episode with uh, Per Jensen was a mix of emotions. I hope he recovers quickly and is back to his old self soon, but it also shows what a friend you are and how close you and Per are. I look forward to Perry Jensen's new tobacco adventures, and I don't think I'll have McBaron on my list when buying tobaccos in the future. Pear was the heart of McBaron. Uh, the last episode with Jeff Grasick was great as always. As a former exchange student in San Diego, yes, it's been a long time, <laughs> Jeff always brings a bit of old home to my mind. Though I'm a bit critical of pipes from China, but maybe it's just time to throw old thought patterns overboard. I'd like to thank you again and look forward to a, to a year 2024 with the Pipes Magazine radio show. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and your family. All the best from Munich, Germany, Chris. Uh, Chris, all I, can, uh, all I can say about your email is uh, thank you. Yeah. 
All right, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and in just a moment, rave time. Take a look at your pipe rack. Are all those briars and mirrors constant companions in your rotation? Or are there some that you gravitate to more than others? Are there some that you simply don't smoke anymore? Through SmokingPipes.com's estate trade program, you can transform those underused pipes into immediate cash or store credit. Just send us your pipes and we'll unpack, inspect, and evaluate them based on extensive market research and over 20 years of experience. Then we'll contact you with a detailed offer for your choice of cash or store credit, valid on any items in our vast selection of pipes, tobacco, cigars, and accessories. If you're not happy with our quote, we'll return your pipes free of charge to domestic addresses. It's that simple. Join the thousands of Smoking Pipes customers who have benefited from this program and start your trade today by contacting us at 888-366-0345. That's 888-366-0345. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. I am a big fan of holiday lights and holiday decorations. I'm a big fan of them. Uh, I've become a bigger fan of them over the past few years as LED lights have gotten better and better looking. And uh, they actually look like real lights now. Because if you remember when those LED holiday lights came out or Christmas lights, when they came out, they looked really bad. Um, Well, I'm a big fan of them. And I really appreciate when uh, neighborhoods or all your neighbors do some decorating for the holidays. And you see... Uh, especially, uh, uh, it seems like lately, uh, Halloween decorating, even though Halloween's not my favorite thing, but still you see Halloween decorations with different lights and stuff going on in the front yard. And then you roll right into, uh, uh, Christmas with all the Christmas decorations and some neighbors do it better than others. And some neighbors don't do it at all. Well, bad boo on the neighbors that don't do it at all. You know what? Put out some sort of holiday decorations, whether it be, uh, Hanukkah, Christmas, Diwali, Kwanzaa, whatever it is, some sort of decorations on the on the front of the house because you know especially with these LEDs now they're getting more durable and they're getting and they're better looking than they used to be and they're really 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 cheap to run. Uh, you used to be able to only connect like two strands of lights together. Well now you can connect like twenty of them together and have this really long run of lights. So you know to those that go out there and decorate for the holidays you know thank you for all your extra effort uh you know i appreciate it we don't get to go in everybody's house and see the in inside decorations but uh you know especially like the neighborhoods that decorate and you'll see some you know businesses that decorate for christmas and i i just like seeing it makes me feel good and you know what and thank you to all you people that do all that for for me during the holidays all right (laughs) there we go 
All right, again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Remember, new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show come out every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, rain or shine. Uh, iTunes ratings and reviews, Spotify, thumbs up. I found found some of the comments that I can go through and do all that, so I'll, I'll be doing that in the future. So thank you to all of you that do that. Uh, thank you to Jeremy for joining me. Thank you very much to uh, Dr. Chuck Stanion for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in, and until next time. clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather